It's the TX Water Polo Podcast. I'm James Smith in Austin. He's Joe Linehan in San Antonio. And uh, thank you for listening. We're glad to have you. So, Joe, um, I'm still burnt out, man, from this weekend. We've been talking here for like 40 minutes. And uh, I'm, it's it's been a great first weekend of water polo for this tournament that you and I are both heavily involved in. So it, it, we can't possibly start with anything other than the Central Texas Festival. Well, I'm not burned out. Yeah, because that's you. I'm ready to go You're for the amphetamines. weekend. Yeah. Um, yes, I slept well on Sunday night, but it's yeah, and it was the first tournament for a while, so yeah. you know. The, like the hard part for me, obviously, is between is, is kind of leading up to the tournament, right? Yes, exactly. So then I can enjoy the weekend, and it's great to have you at, with Aquatex and Pascal and his group with Zilla. They were great hosts, um, and y'all took care of a lot of stuff yeah. from pool setup to all the tape on the pool deck. You know, that was fun. Um, uh, like you know, just having all of our social distancing areas and all, and all that stuff, and all of our like you know the transitions, all my rules that I place you guys kind of had to enact and um and y'all did a great job i mean i i mean the tournament was a success in my mind a wonderful success and it could not have been done without you and zilla thank you very kindly i do appreciate that but let's back up a second for those who may not even understand what the heck we're talking about so central texas festival is a tournament that joe began to organize with the help of my club and with zilla from across town um the first weekend took place this last week and it was only 14 and unders and 12s and under 12 and unders um it was a grand total for at least uh, for us at uh at aquatex of nine games i think on sunday um Again, we, we had, had 26. Put... We had 26 total games on the weekend. Okay, uh, we not, and then we had what um, 17 total games at Zilla over the two days, mm-hmm. and then on Sunday only at your pool we had nine games. There you go. So, um, I would like to actually discuss the the we call them rules, but they're you know, and I suppose they are, but it's really more just like a methodology in order to deal with all of this nonsense that's related to COVID. So or safety guidelines or safety, safety guidelines. guidelines. That's a that's a good way of putting it. And so the first thing to say is that in you know for ninety nine percent of the time people were terrific. They understood the coaches were the athletes were the fans were. They understood that we had to you know put teams in certain sections in order for them to um, you know if they wanted to do dry land or at least congregate before they they hopped in the pool. Um, there's a bunch of rules that put were put in place. I'll let you go over them. But the one thing that uh, I wanted to mention was that the pace was, you know, o- almost leisurely in a sense because it's an hour per, per what do you want to call it, game session or whatever, even though the game only lasted for 45 minutes, basically. And so there was time for everybody to be escorted out and for the new team to become, you know, to enter and so on. It was it was great. I, yeah, I, yeah, Joe, yeah, Joe, yeah, listen, yeah. one thing. I actually heard from coaches saying we should just do this all the time. I'm not joking. Like that, that was more than one coach came to me unsolicited and said that we should do that. So, yeah. So the safety guidelines kind of were in place and kudos to the coaches for implementing it. Cause you know, that they're the ones that are in charge of their kids. Yeah. And we had a ready area for whenever the kids get there, that was 45 minutes prior to the game. Then once the benches were vacated, then they could go in and play and then they could start warming up prior to the game. Then as, as kind of as soon as the game was done, they could grab their stuff and go. Um, and the parents could come in 10 minutes prior to the game. And then as soon as the game was over, everybody had to go out the exit. So yes, it, was a lot of moving pieces and everybody understood the rules. And I mean, again, it was 99.9% of the time that everybody was, was but yeah, there was a couple things, 
kind of, kind of here or there, but you know, overall, um, it was everybody worked together. The, the, the success of the tournament was everybody coming together and, um, and yeah. And understanding that, Hey, if we want our, if we want the kids to play, these are the rules that we have to follow. Yeah. And yes, I now understand what a tournament, what makes a tournament chaotic. It's not the games in the water. It's not the referees. It's not the fans in the stands. It is everything that happens between games. It's yes. the kids that are just hanging out between games. Yeah. We had none of that this time. We had no fans kind of kind of waiting around between games. You know, we. I mean, it was quiet there. It was nice. There were a now, couple tiny it? exceptions, but yeah, that's right. Like everything was. Everybody was really cooperative that way. Yeah. And everybody was good. And I mean, this upcoming weekend we are going on fifty-five minute time frame. So coaches that are listening, please make sure that you. Uh, that, that you make sure that uh, got to move a little quicker, kind of kind of after the game, because the parents cannot come on the pool deck, the kids cannot warm up until you leave. So, yeah. um, and um, and everybody was great with the rules. I mean, and everybody. I mean, this is this is the first time that we had a tournament in what seven eight months yep. or whatever. And um, you know, everybody's a little rusty. You know, from the players, yeah, to the coaches, to the referees, to the people working the clocks. Everybody was a little rusty. That's fine, but everybody came together. There was. I think there was, there was no red cards. There was no brutalities. No. There's no. yeah. There's no misconduct. Nope. There was one yellow card. That's it. One yellow card. Um, that and, must not uh, have been in our pool. Yeah. But no, it was not. Yeah. And um, but um, but like kind of overall, I saw a bunch of kids smiling. A bunch of parents. I didn't really see them smile because they had masks on. <laughs> but you know, it was one of those things where I think everybody was really happy, and um, and 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 I was ecstatic. Now. I understand that was only 26 games this past weekend. This upcoming weekend, we have 46 games. So it's going to be a little bit more of a challenge. Plus, older kids tend to, I don't know, how do I put it? They may not listen as well. So please, coaches, if you are listening, please make sure your parents and athletes know all the rules that are happening. And, you know, let's let's all be proactive here. So whenever we get to the pool on Saturday and Sunday, it's, again, a very good weekend. Yeah. You're, you're making it sound as though you have experience coaching 18 and under boys. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah my big joke as a club coach was i would love to coach i would love to coach girls rather than boys mm-hmm. the rest of my life yeah and then this is the high school kids and the high school boys knew that too yeah because i was I a high school boy and the high school boys are stupid and i would <laughs> exactly. right there with them so i mean it's just it's just it's just what it is and and the high school girls are a little bit more mature they understand that like the whole team concept they yeah. just don't want to rear they don't want to rear back and just try to shoot it through the goal yeah. they understand about making the pass all the stuff so yeah that's been my mo since i actually started coaching the age group water polo. When I started coaching high school again, it was like, I, I realized that I, I actually speak fluent boy, you know? So like, I, I understand when they're knuckleheads, which is a lot of the time and I actually kind of like it, but yeah, coaching girls is just way easier. They're so just smarter, more mature, blah, blah, blah. Uh Oh, we're going to, we're heading into dangerous territory. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I will just say again, you know, like the coaches this past weekend, they were they were on they were on point. They yeah. were they had their masks on. I mean, yeah, the two biggest right. rules, the two the two biggest rules that I think that really helped with the organization were one, we have the ready areas for the teams that are about to play. Yeah, that worked out really well. So it gave them a place to go. It gave them they they were wearing their masks, and then everybody brought all their stuff over to the bench that they started on. Right, and then they played their game. They would switch after quarters or like. Or it'd have to, depending on what pool they were at. And then the second biggest rule was at the end of the game, they had to switch one last time. By swimming. 
by swimming. Everybody yeah. had to swim, you know, kind of, kind of whenever you're switching. But that swimming, they got out. So the last thing they did before they got in the water was take off their mask and put it in, in their back. The first thing they did, now they swim to the bench that they started at, is they get out, they put on their mask, they grab their stuff, and you have your team meeting outside the games. That's right. So, yeah, I mean, it was it went very, very well in my mind. So I thought um, so, too. And, I mean, there was one time, there was one team that – um, that forgot to do the have the kids swim to the other end, and unfortunately, it was a twelve and under team. Yeah. So what does that mean? It's mass. It was like mass <laughs> chaos for like three or four minutes. You know, parents are trying to help out wrangling. the other end. Yeah. You know, like you know, we had the parents kind of situated by their kids. You know, so you know, it it all worked out well. It just it was a little mass chaos, but that was the only time. But that also kind of made me realize how important swimming at the end of the game was. So. Yeah, that worked out really well. It did. Um, so if you're going to come this weekend and you're coaching, um, I, I wanted to just cover a couple of things. One is, um, and you're obviously going to fill uh, in the whatever I whatever I lack, but um, we we had a couple complaints about the masks and that kind of thing um, at, at our facility. It, and just coaches, please, and parents, if you're listening, share this with your, your fellow parents. I understand that there are complexities involved in mask wearing. I get it. Like there are some who, you know, might not actually want to wear it. And from the perspective of my club, I'm not speaking for USA Water Polo or anyone else. From the perspective of our club, it's really simple. It's basically, we understand all of those things, but here's the deal. For the sake of this tournament and for the sake of tournaments that are forthcoming, as far as we can see, you got to wear a mask. And if you don't want to, fine. You can, but you can hang out outdoors. You can go somewhere else. And if you refuse, then you know we're, we're forced to cancel games or or forfeit them or whatever. And nobody wants that. Not and a we single never got person. And we, and we never got not close even close. That. Not even and, close. Yeah, and, and you know, yeah. I mean, we had a couple things, but I mean, what? Two people out of three, four hundred—that's nothing. Yeah. So, and um, and again, ninety-nine point nine percent of the people Absolutely. were extremely accommodating. So, Absolutely. um, and uh, and I just appreciate that from yeah, from all the spectators. Um, it was kind of funny because at the end of uh, of the games, I would I would go up to everybody and go, "Thank you so much for wearing your mask." Um, I'm gonna have to ask you guys to leave, and they're like, "Oh." Well, are you just telling us to get the hell out? Yes. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm saying it a lot nicer than that. I mean, they would they would jokingly say that. Yes. To me, but, I would tell the teams you know, they had they had to get out like that. Yeah. yeah so I, I mean, I was trying to be as nice as possible, yeah. but you know, just to let everybody know, you know, the restrooms there are for the officials and volunteers only. The people that are there all day. So the kids I had to chase the spectators, a couple kids out of there. The yeah. coaches, they should come to the facility, not plan on going to the restroom, not plan on changing. Um, and there, I mean, if if you think about the like. The coaches and, and the athletes are going to be there for about an hour and a half, maybe max. The parents are going to be there for an hour max, yeah. and then you can leave, and then yep. you can go to the bathroom somewhere else, or, um, or go meet outside, or go get some food and go to the bathroom there. Yeah. So, you know, we try to. I mean, I overthought it probably, and I was a bit anal on, on the rules, but I think that's what is needed at this point in time. So. Well, it's it's reasonable to expect to do that in order for us to learn what works, what doesn't work, and to if if there are changes that can or need to be made in future tournaments, this is going to be, you know, the petri dish for that. <clears throat> but it's it's totally reasonable. Like I look, the the rules that are in place for this tournament are far more strict than say what I have to do at practice. And that's okay. 
that it, it's just this is what we need to try in order to make sure that we're keeping these kids and the parents and the officials and everyone else as safe as possible and we'll exactly. figure it out we will figure it out but this is a good exactly. start oh it's great okay um that's it for this segment we'll stick around and uh, we'll talk about some other stuff next all of tx water polo is brought to you advertising free and we'd like to keep it that way so we're asking for your help show your support by going to txwaterpolo.com forward slash give so we can keep covering the sport we love in the lone star state Hi, this is Natalie Benson, and you are listening to a podcast about water polo in Texas. It's the TX Water Polo Podcast. James and O back with you talking about the gigantic weekend of water polo that just took place and is going to complete this weekend at the Central Texas Festival. Gigantic, Um, gigantic, gigantic, huge. Uh, huge for this area. I mean, you know, obviously UT has a big enough pool where they can they can accommodate. A, generally speaking, a is it? Not, I guess it wouldn't be bigger. It would be just as big. It would be just at one location. But for, you know, for those of us in North Austin, it, Cedar Park, Round Rock, this is a big deal, man. It, it'd be at one location the same weekend. So yeah, I, right. mean, I understand. Yes, there's a lot of. Hey, this is the most water polo in eight months in this state. So there you go. So yeah. And some news that emerged only recently is that Thunder is going to be hosting the Texas Challenge Cup. Oh, I don't have the date wrote, written down. I know you're going to know the date. Okay, see, that's all you need to do is ask Joe what the date is, and you're good. Um, but two different facilities, East Side and West Side, both up in the LISD. I mean, these are good facilities. And so yep. I can, I've can. i already signed up my team. I can imagine the demand for that is going to be absolutely massive. And all you need to know about that is that there's a chance that I'm going to get a chance to talk with um, Mike and Mary Giles. They work for Gold Coast Water Polo Club. That's out of Ventura. They're coming to this tournament this weekend. So you can imagine that other teams, maybe from Florida, from California, might be interested in this huge Texas Challenge Cup in in, uh, in a few weeks. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's going to be fun. I hear there's been lots and lots of people in, inquiring about their event. So um, I'm really looking forward to seeing a bunch of uh, teams come in from not only the state but also outside the state as well and that's why it, this is the term that used to be called the dallas fall invite now they're kind of rebranding it the texas challenge cup to oh, bring in teams from yeah that's places. great i didn't know that okay that's really good that's so great. and um yeah i mean it's i mean they're probably going to be limited on kind of how many teams so if you plan on playing you better enter now because i mean we the only reason that we were able to do 37 teams for the Central Texas Festival is because we did over two weekends instead yeah, of one. Precisely. Because because we only had one, we were limited to 20 total teams. Yeah. So they might only be limited to about 40 to 45 total teams. Um, so get so get on it now. So if you're listening at, at this in Cincinnati or the East Coast or California or Seattle, get your team entered. Yep. Right now. Yeah. And again, if you haven't been there, these are, you know, West Side is, I, you know, I think it's fair to say that's a really spectacular world class facility. But East Side is a very good facility as well. Like, mm-hmm. I, I mean, this is going to be good water polo. I'm, I'm, it's before I'm all the courses, like, you know, the Central Texas Festival, one of the courses we use is Shell Deep. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so if you do want to register, you don't know how it goes, go to the USA Water Polo Sanctioned Events 
and scroll down to, to, to November 14, 15 and click on the Texas Challenge Cup. I already and there's did. like plus team registration. I already so, did. Yeah. Stop yelling at me. I already did uh-huh. it. Okay. Um, tags is postponed. Um, yeah. It's uh, we you and I were talking about this, and it's 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 a one way to look at it is that that's a that's good news in the sense that it has not been canceled. I know that uh, you and others are looking actively on places for it to take place and times and so on. Um, but unfortunately, for the moment, at least it's a it's been postponed. Um, this is a tournament that's been postponed like yeah. three or four times now. Yeah. So so this is for everybody that doesn't know. Tags is our Texas Age Group State water polo championships it's historically for eighth grade sixth grade and fourth grade and younger kids we have we have, we'll have a boys and girls division for the eighth grade and then it'll be mixed for sixth grade and fourth grade it's done during the high school season normally so that's so that's why we do year in school instead of age um and we've postponed it from april to june and then from june to august and then from august to october now we're postponing it to December, so we're hoping that somebody steps up and will uh, want to host it. Ooh. And for those that are listening, it's going to be for ninth grade and seventh grade and younger. So that group that just kind of completed eighth grade will still have a tags at the top of the age group. Yeah, that's. I like the challenge that you're throwing out there. We it, the, we need a facility. Yeah, so hopefully somebody will come in and bid on that. That'd be awesome. And, and, and I asked James, and he said no. So there you no, go. it's too small. Our pool's too small. But this is this is a this is supposed to basically lead into next. You know, to back up a second. So it's it's what I call the unofficial junior high school or middle school championships. I know that's not the way that it should be branded or whatever, but um, but it typically comes at the end of the high school season, which has been in the spring for about 10 years, and now it's going to be in the fall. So this is at least part of the idea, right, is that this year's tags is something of a precursor to what's coming in 2021. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, so in the spring of 2021, we will have tags again okay. for 8th grade, 6th grade, Just and 4th like the grade high school under, season, yeah. Because that's the, that's the high school season for this school year, but then... In the school year of the following school year, starting fall 2021, going into spring 2022, our tags tournament is going to be in the fall. Yeah. So it's going to be moving because our high school season moves yep. to the fall. So, and it'll still be grade in school, still be eighth grade, sixth grade, and fourth grade and younger. And then hopefully in the spring of 2022, we end up with another tags tournament. Oh, really? So we're going to have tags spring, tags fall. And then tags fall will always be. The eventually tax fall will be great in school. Tax spring will be age group. So. Oh, okay. Interesting. I didn't know that. This is why we have this podcast is so that I can learn these things. Yeah. And that's, that's a year and a half for the first tax spring. Okay. So, there you go. But, but in 2021, we're probably gonna have two tax anyway. Yeah. Which is like, uh, yeah, two, uh, two high school seasons. Right. So, and if we end up with a tags this upcoming December, we're going to have, what, uh, three tax tournaments within nine months. So. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's good. And another possible tournament between the holidays? Is that the, is that the yeah, rumor? I mean, I'm looking at some opportunities. We st- I don't know about the Caltown tournament in early December. Mm. Um, and then I'm going tr- to look into the possibility of hosting a tournament somewhere between Christmas and New Year's. Okay. So that December 26th to December 30th time frame. You know, that's, yeah, that's when J.O.'s was, yeah, right. was supposed exactly. to happen. Yeah. Um, so, you know, just, yeah, maybe have an end of season type championship or something, give the kids something to do at the, at the end of the, uh, at the end of the year. So, you know, and then, you know, going into January, we do still plan on having the dare to dream on MLK on MLK weekend. We oh, do cool. still plan to have at, at, at somewhere at least 
the um, spin lop tournament. You know, is it going to be at UT? I don't know, but you know, that's what that's what we're hoping. Then again, we'll go into the spring season with um, with like high school, and then the age group stuff going on at the same time. And then we'll have our our NGO quals and and all club stuff during the summer, and then we go into the fall of 2021, which will be the first fall season in a long long time, and then it'll be almost it'll almost mirror the spring season. It'll be age group for club, then then the high school for, for the high school kids, and then we'll go into like a, like a little mini club season in November, December, January, and we'll start it all over again. Yeah, and then the good thing is starting in 2022. 2021 is going to be kind of a transition year, but starting in 2022, you know, we're hopefully going to have a stable calendar kind of moving forward. Oh, that'd be nice. You know? So 2021 is that transition year from spring high school kind of moving to fall. So it's going to be a little up in the air. And then, then I mean, it's going to be club water polo from late October till the end of June. Right. Amazing stuff, man. Really, it's like, because right now you look at the calendar and you, or at least a couple months ago, and you were thinking like, there's just not going to be anything on the calendar for the rest of the year. But we're super fortunate that we're getting these things in there before, before, um, hopefully some solution is, uh, is out there for all of this nonsense. Yeah. I mean, and it's, and it, and we've come a long way from, you know, we don't want to interrupt, we don't want to upset the high school swimming or club swimming during the winter. And now it's like, you know, we have club water polo. This is a year round sport now. So. Exactly right. Okay. Um, one note from ODP, uh, there were some noises. In fact, I had, I told, uh, athletes at our last uh, clinic in Round Rock that we're trying to go to SciFair on October 18th. That is not going to happen. So we still don't have a final paperwork from our friends in Pearland. I'm hoping to get that as soon as possible. But when we do, that's going to be, that means it's going to solidify that one Houston area clinic at Pearland. Again, that's not yet uh, completely done, but uh, I, I'm confident that that will be. So there's an update to that calendar. Um, and anything else before we move on? Now I'm sure everything that we just told it, everybody's going to change at some point. So sorry, it's just the way it is for 2020. So. Everything, everything. What has not changed from this year? That's what. That's uh, nothing actually. Like literally, like everything yeah, has changed. Like, yeah, like you go to Southwood Zone calendar. There's a yeah. lot of canceled and, uh, and postponed. So Completely. we're trying not to cancel stuff, kind of moving forward. So yeah. we're just gonna we're gonna try to find a way to do it. Fair enough. Okay, we're either gonna come back with a conversation with the, co the coaches from uh, Gold Coast Water Club Polo Club from Ventura, or we're just gonna come and say goodbye. So uh, we'll do that right after this. Hey, this is Mark Lawrence from Austin College, head coach of the men's and women's water polo programs and home of our kangaroos. When I'm interested in uh, what's going on with Texas water polo, I always listen to TX water polo podcast. One of the only teams from outside, actually the only team from outside the state of Texas that's participating in this week's Central Texas Festival is Gold Coast Water Polo from Ventura. And so we wanted a chance to speak with the coach. I actually mentioned earlier in the podcast that it would be somebody else, but it is Tom Davis, who's a former goalkeeper from UC Irvine, uh, All-American actually, who is a, who's a volunteer coach with this club. Coach, uh, how is it that you got to be in charge of taking a team all the way to Texas? Yeah, so I, uh, I co-head coach uh, our high school boys, uh, 16s and 18s, with actually my high school assistant, um, Clint Howard, who's been with the club a lot longer than I have. 
And, um, you know, due to some constraints with his job, uh, being in the military, he's not allowed to travel outside the state. So fortunately, uh, you know, I have a flexible schedule with my businesses and, uh, you know, I do have a few players that play high school going as well as some of the other players from the local high school. So it was just, just made sense for me to be the one to kind of go out there. Plus, uh, you know, never been out to your neck of the woods and just kind of personally really excited about that. Yeah, very cool. Let's uh, let's back up. So, Gold Coast Water Polo is a club from Ventura. I'm uh, how old is the club? Um, and then, well, let's let's just delve into that for a little bit, and then how you got involved in the club. Sure. Yeah. So, so you know, I don't know how much uh, your, your listeners know about Ventura, but it is, uh, you know, it's a smaller community, um, just south of Santa Barbara, kind of nestled between Santa Barbara and Los Angeles. And, you know, there are, there are a couple clubs in Ventura County, you know, Pride probably being the most well-known. Right. Um, you know, and then you have Premier up in Santa Barbara. But, you know, for our area, there's, there's just not a, there's not a ton. There's us and there's South Coast, really. So hmm. um, the club's been around, I believe, over, over a decade. It might be, it might be longer. Uh, mm-hmm. Started by Mike and Mary Giles. And, um, you know, I, I fell into working with them because now my uh, – my younger son is has shown an interest in water polo, Uh-oh. and when they found out that he was going to be playing, they said, "Hey, how would you feel about helping out?" And I said, "Well, you know, I, I certainly need more things to do with my life, so why not?" Right? <laughs> right. Yeah, including a trip to Cal or to, to, to Texas. That's to Texas. great. Yeah, right? exactly. Um, do you, are you aware of how uh, Gold Coast even became aware of the fact that we were hosting a tournament in uh, Central Texas? Yeah. So we actually had had a discussion. Um, because we knew it was going to be a while before things opened up out mm-hmm. here that, that we wanted to start looking out of state to see what might be available for us. And we did kind of a little internal survey of our parents just to see who was comfortable traveling given the, you know, the situation. And we found that, you know, we had a majority of our parents that, and families that were interested in playing wherever it might've taken us. And, and in some ways I think it's uh, you know, we probably got a better response going out of state than we would have playing anywhere in state here. So, I believe uh, Mike and Mary, you know, after our discussion, kind of hopped on the U.S. Water Polo website and started looking at tournaments. And um, this one seemed to be the first one that popped up. Yeah, I think it's the only one going on, actually. Yeah, yeah, that's the best part. Um, so tell us a, a little bit about what your club is doing. Like you, we, the, you know, the general consensus is that since essentially March, that most clubs have been sort of shut down. So maybe you are an exception to that. Maybe tell us a little bit about what what Gold Coast has been doing. Yeah, so we, we uh, have been given permission by the county in our area and then the city on top of that to be able to do um, basically practices at the local aquatic center. We can put one player in a lane and we can use balls, uh, although we can't pass back and forth. So the types of things that we're doing, as you can imagine, most of our players having not played since the start of COVID uh, are woefully out of shape. So there's certainly no shortage of conditioning items that we can do, right? Lots of swimming, lots of leg work. Um, we do lots of hip work, things like that, going over our hip, knocking down defenders. Um, we're doing lots of swimming with the ball with different movements. Um, we're doing lots of work on our faking, uh, shooting against rebounders. You know, pretty much anything that, that a player can do with a ball by themselves, we've had them doing. Got it. Um, the other, I was going to say, the other thing that looks slightly different about our practices now, because we're limited on space per the county and city, is we've had to shorten up our practice times to make sure that we have adequate groups going so that everyone can get some time. Right. Yep. 
Um, the, the, and what is your sense, if there is any, about when things might begin to open up a little bit more than what they are now? Or is it just this is, this, this is the state of things until, until uh, you yeah. hear otherwise? So, so in our county, we just got moved off of, in our state, we have a color tier. So purple being the worst, red being the next worst, then orange, then yellow. So for us, we just got moved to red yesterday, which would equate to our phase two of training. So mm. we're waiting for guidance from the county. We're hopeful at this point that we'll be able to introduce passing and shooting, but ultimately that's gonna be up to the county and state officials as to what that looks like. Um, one of the things that, that has been quite evident in our state is that no one really has a clue as right. it applies to specific sports, that's what right. they should and should not be doing. Yeah, that's right. So it's, uh, it becomes really challenging. I will say that just editorially, that, that that can be one of the most frustrating things is that that things are presented with a certain level with with certainty, and uh, we don't know any of this stuff. We just don't know. No. Like all these states have treated this differently, and everybody's been affected in a profound way. Um, again, we've been in the pool since May. We don't have physical contact, but there's you know between the swim team and the water polo club, there hasn't been a there's been one case of a, a young woman on my team who had not been to practice for three weeks. So it wasn't her, you know, it, it was, uh, she got mm -hmm. it at, at, at her workplace. So yeah, who knows? Who knows? Um, we're, we're just, uh, obviously we're quite pleased to be able to give you a place to go. So uh, we are, we are quite pleased to be able to take advantage of it. I can tell you that. So what are the travel plans? Like you're coming to Austin. Are you staying in Austin? Do you guys have other plans or is it just sort of like show up, play and get out? No, no. So we are, uh, most of us are coming in either Thursday night or Friday, nice. uh, midday. And then I think uh, you guys have been gracious enough to get us an hour of scrimmage time where we'll do an inter-squad scrimmage, uh, I believe Friday evening, 8 p.m. your time. I might toss then, a couple of my boys in there too, Coach. Uh, that, would be, that would be lovely. <laughs> we would love it, you know. Um, and, and, then, and then we start bright and early the next morning. I think That's our right. first game is at 7.30. So, yep. you know, we're looking up. We're, yeah, welcome to Texas is right. Yep. A nice 4.30 Pacific time wake up, right? <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah, no, I saw that on the calendar too. Look, Joe, uh, my partner in this uh, silly podcast that we do, is the most organized person I've ever met in water polo in any state, anywhere. But man, he likes to start early sometimes. And so it's, he's, got, he's got the right idea, especially with the schedule the way it is. Yeah. It's packed. It is packed. Yeah. But uh, yeah, sometimes you got to make these sacrifices. Yeah, You'll be all better, right. You know, early games are better than no games. I'll tell you that. James. This is absolutely true. Cool. So any plans for uh, doing fun stuff in Central Texas? You know, we're, we're hoping to, to get out for some nice meals as the schedule allows. Um, you know, certainly open to any recommendations that any of you all have. Um, but, you know, from what I've heard, it's there's no shortage of things to do or places to eat. I, I could think of a few. You, you, you've seen me on video. You see, I enjoy myself some food. So there you go. Um, yep. Great. So you, um, and you know, how much do you know about the teams you're playing? Basically, I'm, I'm assuming nothing, but you tell me if I'm wrong. No, nothing, actually. Yeah. I don't know anything about the teams that we're playing. Um, other than once again, we're just happy that they're showing up. Yeah. Um, and then, so uh, you're a goalkeeper. Um, yeah. I'm always curious about the way that goalkeepers are capable of coaching entire teams. You know, there are some who say, uh, goalkeepers have to know absolutely everything offensively, defensively. So they make natural goalkeepers, but then there are others who would say like, they're so um, they're, they're so focused on doing this one particular job that they don't necessarily apply. Where, where do you think you stand on that spectrum? Yeah. I, I think that, that, you know, one of the things that I think you hit on is, you know, goalkeepers, or at least the way that I play, play goal and some of the better goalies that I know play, you know, we play goal at almost like the quarterback on a, on a football right. team. 
where we're kind of running everything. So, you know, when I played, when I played in college, I have, you know, intimate knowledge of how the defense should work, how the offense should work, how the counterattack should work, because I'm an integral part of that. So, you know, where I would say it falls off for a lot of goalkeepers, and this is something that certainly is easy enough to learn, is the technical things that the field players mm, yeah. do, right? How to turn a defender, um, how to play, you know, one-on-one defense. And really a, a competent goalie should know these things as well, but that's where I've seen the deficiency. It's less about the strategies and tactics and more about, you know, how, how to work one-on-one in different situations. So the technical, if you will. And how to teach it probably, right? Like, absolutely. I, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, and, and fortunately I've played with enough uh, high level field players where if you pay attention, you'll pick the stuff up. Yeah. Really. You know? yeah. Um, honorable mention twice, goalkeeper, like a 96 and 97 uh, for mm-hmm. UC Irvine. Um, so come on, you got to tell us like, what's it like playing for Ted Newland? Oh, uh, you, you know, Ted Newland was probably the best developer of talent that I've ever been around. And to me, um, you know, he, he took players that no other program had an interest in or maybe didn't have the same level of interest in. He would find those diamonds in the rough. And by the time they were through with their four years there, you know, many of these guys went on to play at the national team level. Right. You know, guys that I played with like Omar Amar, who was, who was great when he got there, but by the time he left was a phenom and Ryan Bailey, I don't, I don't know if you know, Ryan, yeah. When Ryan showed up, you know, we all kind of looked at each other and said, what's, you know, what is he doing here? Cause he's, he's not fast. He lacks a lot of skills, but Ryan put in five years of tremendous work and became arguably one of the, one of the best two meter offensive players, you know, in the history of the U S game. Yeah, that's um, you know, and, uh, you know, like my backup goalie, Janai Kerr, who came in, you know, uh, didn't have a ton of experience, played out of Coronado, but just put in work and work and work and, and went on to play. I think he was in two Olympics, you know, so yeah. it was just a story that happened over and over and over in my tenure there. And even after I left where you would see Newland bring these guys in. And the one kind of common thread throughout all of them was that they were willing to work as hard as he was. Right. And, Which is and hard to do. It was hard to do. Yeah. But, um, you know, he was like a father to most of us that played for him. Interesting. Yeah. The, you know, Janai and John Abdu are quite yeah. public about being, again, those diamonds in the rough that you're mentioning and that Newman yeah. was able to take them and mold them into people, you know, that were players that were actually top flight players from little programs and stuff. You know, Janai... Uh, yeah. uh, Coronado is a great program, but he, oh, you know, he got, he got into the sport late and so, so on and so forth. So, uh, you know, the issue with Ryan Bailey is he went to the wrong high school in Long Beach. That's the problem. He went to Milliken. He should have gone to Wilson. Wilson his yeah. brother did. I know his brother. I worked with his brother. Yep. So on and so forth. Yeah. So you mentioned that uh, you'd been out of the game for a while and that uh, you just basically pretty recently had gotten back into coaching, caught the bug, I think is the way you put it. Um, so you graduated in the late 90s uh what have you been doing since then and uh how is it that you got drawn back into this crazy game great question yeah so um when i was done done with college and kind of decided that the national team wasn't going to be the path that i would take uh, i started a company right out of college and and since then have been a serial entrepreneur uh starting starting companies selling them off starting other companies um so that's that's kind of my, you know, the vein that I'm in, uh, currently have two companies that I'm a part owner in. One is a marketing company for mid to large companies. 
And then the other one is a medical education company where we work with pharma, educating doctors, nurses, and pharmacists on their product. So the way that I got back into coaching was actually through playing. Um, I, had, I had met uh, an individual who ends up being a good friend of mine out here in Ventura, Matt Cherry, who played at USC while I was at Irvine. And he had put together a master's group with a bunch of um, former ST players and they needed a goalie. So uh, we ended up doing master's nationals a couple times, had some near misses there, but it, it just kind of reignited the bug. So I ended up coaching with him um, one year at Ventura, which is a rival to where I'm at now. Mm -hmm and just had such a good time with it that uh, the following year I was offered the ability to coach uh, with Mike Giles at the local junior college and thought that would be enjoyable. So ended up doing that. And it was about that time that my business kind of really kicked into high gear. So took a little bit of time off there until uh, a friend of mine who was a teacher who would eventually become the athletic director, director at Buena kind of talked me into to considering the job at Buena, which I really wasn't too excited about because at the time Buena was, was really um, one, of the, one of the worst programs in the area. And I thought, you know, I, I'd had opportunities to coach at a high level, but uh, you know, I, it turns out that I'm always, I'm always up for a project, I guess is the best <laughs> yeah. way to put it. So, uh, you know, and maybe that's the anteater in me where we were always kind of underdogs, right? But we knew that if we worked hard enough, we could make something happen. So, um, you know, I, I, was convinced that, that I wasn't their guy, but uh, by the time we got done with the interview, they had kind of said all the right stuff and offered the level of support that I needed in terms of flexibility with schedule and stuff where I could still run my businesses. And so, you know, here we are three years later and I've just been loving it. When you got back into coaching, um, did you find that, because you'd taken, you know, a bit of a break um, mm -hmm. and I, I have that similar experience. And when I got back into coaching, I discovered, and this is my story, not yours, that I just sure. didn't, didn't know anything and uh, had a really good mentor. So I don't know, was there something that you saw that you might have been missing out on because you'd been out of the game for a while? Or were you involved enough to sort of know how the game had progressed over time? Yeah, you know, that's a, that's a great question. So I was, I was moderately aware of how the game had progressed. Um, you know, I was fortunate enough to, to come from a college program and even a high school program before that, where we were so focused on fundamentals and using those as a building block for, you know, technical expertise and then having kind of the tactics and strategy be more of the icing on the cake that, that I, what I found to be true in college seemed to still be true in high school, which is that if you do the basics well enough, you can beat almost anybody. Um, and then it's just kind of the nuance on top of that in terms of what tactics and strategy and things like that. But I, I you know, I was worried that I would feel like the game had passed me by a little bit, but I just, I just didn't feel like that was the case because I could still develop players because that was kind of how I was taught. That makes sense. Yeah. How, how did, how has goalkeeping changed since the time you were in college and to now? I mean, are there anything that, is there anything that stands out to you? Yeah. You know, it, it is interesting to me. I mean, I, I noticed that, um, I don't know that I would say there's a ton that's changed, but I feel like there's a lot that maybe isn't focused on from hip positioning to shoulder angles, to what you look at in the shooter. Um, and I guess the same could be said for every aspect of the game. You know, it's, it's really, if you're a student of the game, you're, you're paying attention to a lot of different things. And I feel like oftentimes, you know, with, with field players, if you score, sometimes that's enough with goalkeepers. It's if you, you know, if you get the save, that's enough. 
not really focusing on, am I using good technique? Am I doing things that are going to make me better when I, when I face that next level shooter that maybe is able to beat me in ways that the, that the group that I'm facing now can't do, right? It, it's just, it's looking at it, not for where you're at, but for where you want to get to and making sure that you're using the where you want to get to as the building blocks. All right, got it. Um, how many athletes are you bringing here to Texas? We're bringing two teams of, I believe, nine and 10. Okay. So 19 total. We're, we're, you know, given the new rules and, and not really sure how they're going to be, be called out there. I am a little bit concerned that we might be light on our subs, especially if they are penalty heavy um, on things inside the six meter. But, you know, that's going to be something that we're just going to have to, we're going to have to deal with. You can adjust, you know that. <laughs> yeah, I figure. Uh, yeah, and and they're going to be so excited and amped up. Yeah, they're going to be a bit gassed, but it'll be worth it. It's going to be great. Yeah, <laughs> that is true. They are going to so be gassed. Uh, uh, did you find that uh, you said you're the you know your your group of parents was actually quite supportive about all of this? Is there are and this is not to pick on anybody in particular. Um, I have athletes who've chosen not to return yet, which is totally fine. And I'm wondering if you're experiencing the same thing. You know, not to the degree that I thought we would, to be honest, and, and even less at the high school. I mean, mm. I think at the high school, we have roughly 30 athletes. I have one, one of the 30 that's not quite comfortable coming back yet. Right. Okay. And within the club, it's pretty much the same. We have, you know, we have a large group that are back, maybe one or two that are just not quite comfortable coming back yet. Understood. Yeah. Well, I think I think we'll wrap it up, but I, and but I I think I'm going to send you an email with the places that you can go eat, and I th I think I know that. Well, actually, there's a there's a tournament hotel. I don't know if you're staying there. It's we are. Neither yeah, here nor there. Are. Okay, yeah. So you know, well, I'll, I'm going to fill you in uh, and meet you on Friday in person, but also oh, just fill you in on places that you can go and have a good time. So Tom Davis, uh, the head coach at well, the volunteer head coach at Gold Coast Aquatics. <laughs> it's th that's an amazing thing, and it, obviously it makes perfect sense because you have you know you're a successful business person you've got time like you don't need to be considered the head coach or anything like that but yeah here he is taking a team from uh, from ventura to california tom davis thank you very much for your time thanks james okay a couple more things to talk about before we get out of here um hopefully what you've just uh, listened to is an interview but if not so be it um and uh, hopefully we'll have that next week by the way i we you got some feedback that i think was positive about a uh our last show that did not have an interview and maybe it's just because it's shorter i have no idea well but, uh, some people this past week and said hey uh, hey i caught the uh, podcast this past week it was great yeah. they didn't say it was great because there was no interview they said <laughs> it was great i i i figured it'd be exactly the opposite it was like you know if you could just throw some more interviews that would be great and if you guys, you know, maybe talked a little bit less, that'd be awesome. That would be a really good show. So that's that's what I fully expect. But uh, I did also hear that somebody told me that um, that um, James has a good radio voice. So I, I've heard that too. I won't I won't deny it. I've heard and that. And then um, so therefore that means that I have a very bad radio voice. Well, you refuse to get up on that expensive microphone that I bought for you. You you have to get you have to get your. 1979 FM radio DJ thing going on. No, just it's just my it's just my bad radio voice uh, helps you have a good radio voice. So there you go. Okay, you're gonna take credit for my beautiful, beautiful <laughs> voice. All right, that's what we're doing. Hey, did you watch the? Uh, you know, last week we I told you that. I'd rather put a stick in my eye than than watch a debate, and uh, I turned out to be a hundred percent correct in that choice. Did you watch the debate? I did watch the debate, and I'm I felt so like sorry. I felt I'm like the so guy sorry. in the in in, <laughs> in the middle in, in the movie Dumb and Dumber when they started saying, "Have you ever heard the worst sound in the world?" And the guy just—that's what I felt with the guy in there, and. 
and and both ways too. It was just all over the place. The moderator, both guys. It was uh, it was one of those things where I don't think it helped anybody. I swear <laughs> so. to God, I didn't under, really really understand why people were interested in it. I mean, I I don't know. I have a different maybe because a slightly people different like attitude. Watching train wrecks. Yeah, well, I suppose that's true. I but I man, there are people that were that uh, you know on certain podcasts and stuff that I listen to. They're like, well, I really need to see this uh, in order to. F- figure out who I'm going to vote for uh, and you know I'll <laughs> I just can't believe it I can't believe it but, and uh, and obviously after it's over you're like oh neither of them that would be great you know that would be great if we could just vote for neither of them but anyway that's that's a whole different story yeah I made the right choice Joe yes and I'm looking for I'm looking forward to this weekend it's going to be highs in the 90 and sunny skies it is so 90s oh it's, no it's a, it's a little bit of July and August in the middle of October which I'd rather it be that than cold so uh, yes. it's going to be a fun weekend I, I kind of like it when it gets cold. I mean, uh, maybe not for a tournament, but uh, yeah, because when it gets super hot, sometimes that can be a, a, an interesting thing to deal with at uh, in Round Rock. All right, enough complaining. Uh, thanks, Joe. All right. Hey, everybody, just get out and register to vote. Yeah, do what he says. Um, thanks again to, uh, if uh, hopefully we had this conversation, to um, Mike and Mary Giles uh, for taking time to talk with us. Of course, thank you for listening and for continuing to tell friends about this uh, silly show that we're doing here. And a special thanks to, we got yet another really very, very kind donation. Uh, more than one, actually, this last week. Very, very thoughtful. Thank you very much. Um, and if you want to contribute to the TX Water Polo podcast, go to TXWaterPolo.com forward slash give but until next week so long from austin
This has been a production of TWP Sports, LLC.